Hello, welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, uh, the show where we do our best to talk about good movies, but sometimes a real piece of crap slips through. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Chapin. And I'm a real piece of crap. <laughs> you slipped through again. God damn it. Crap slips, man. <laughs> That's, um, it's not my favorite thing, a crap slip. Oh, I should say my name. <laughs> I think your name is Crap Slip. Is that not your name? Uh, that's the same initials, Caleb Shively. That is true. Wow. Did you I say never... your last name? I think I said my last okay, name. I'll say we'll my never name. know. We'll, we will literally never know. We don't listen to this again. <laughs> <laughs> if, you know, Caleb, if only that were true. If only that were true. Um, so this week on Actually Best Choice Movies, we're going to be talking about two movies as usual. Um, the, it's actually funny because this week I was looking through my podcast feed and I realized that we are the only movie podcast that does two movies every week because frankly, it's fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot. We give you an actually best choice. Yeah, we do. We give you an actually best choice. We're not actually movies. We're actually best choice Yes, movies. which implies there must be more than one because yeah. there's a choice. Yeah. Maybe we should just talk about like 17 movies. <laughs> oh my God, I'll fucking murder you, Caleb. <laughs> Um, but then we're talking about two movies this week. One is uh, Never Look Away, a uh, German language film that was nominated for two Oscars this year, uh, Cinematography and Best Foreign Language Film, and also Killer Joe, a movie uh, from a few years ago, like 2011. 2011. Yeah, with, by the same photographer, uh, Zoe Deschanel's dad. Caleb Deschanel. Caleb Deschanel. Um, he's yeah. your same name. Congratulations. Yeah, uh, I didn't even put that together until just reading about him today i'm like oh yeah he has the same name as me <laughs> there's not that many calebs are you named after him do you think no i think it's uh i'm a uh, bible bible caleb but have you asked your parents because maybe you were and they were embarrassed to say uh i have it's bible <laughs> anyway love, love that god gotta love that god uh you know what because he loves you unless you like didn't kill your daughter or something unless whatever it is he your, wants you to do. uh his son <laughs> uh so that's this week on actually best choice movies <laughs> But before we get to that, uh, Caleb, what did you watch this week? Oh, uh, I watched, uh, as my ongoing brain develops of soaking in film, I watched a lot of De Palma movies. I watched Raising Cain. Oh, I, uh, I don't know that one at yeah, all. Yeah, it's from 90s. Which Speaking of the Bible. Hell yeah, sure. Hell yeah. Um, it's a 90s De Palma. Hell, speaking of the Bible. So like a little bit after that prime, a little bit, a but still, mm. uh, he was just getting some paychecks to do some weird work on movies. And this is uh, a great John Lithgow film. Uh, uh, he plays the title character who's actually named Carter, but he has split personalities. He has Kane, who is his more slick, daring brother. And then there's a seven-year-old boy he plays, a woman he plays named Margo, who's a uh, nanny, I believe. And then Wait, his who dad. Is, who is this actor John again? Lithgow. John Lithgow, really? Yeah, the great John Lithgow. In the, in the early 90s, before he was on 30, uh, 30 Rock, Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> Uh, doing some weird work. Well, he's also in Blowout from De Palma, which is amazing. Mm, Everyone yeah, really yeah, watch yeah, Blowout. Yeah. When you say he plays these characters, is he like wearing women's clothes at some point? At some point, yeah. Playing the nanny. Yeah. And it's also a De Palma movie, so like there's a strong female lead in it. Uh, there's a whole bunch of weird cuts in it. It's a very De Palma film. Not necessarily a, a great one I would recommend so if, learning since about it's a, De Palma. So it's a De Palma movie, which Alfred Hitchcock movie is it ripping off? Ooh, um... 
I guess like Vertigo, maybe? Yeah, Vertigo, 100% Vertigo. I mean, I love what he always says about ripping off Alfred Hitchcock, who's like, yeah, um, that's a great person to rip off. I mean, it is true. It's 100% true, yeah. Yeah, uh, just uh, doing more stylized version of what he was doing. That kind of thing used to mean a lot to me when I was younger, like ripping somebody off or being completely original. Mm -hmm. But as I've gotten older, I realize, like, who gives a shit? Oh, yeah. Who gives a shit? All artists are stealing from each other throughout history forever and ever. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, so you just pick a good person to rip off, and that's like your 80% of the way there to being an artist mm-hmm. like um that's cool yeah uh i watched thank you for asking um what do you watch? we what do you watch? Well, my wife and i went to a wedding this weekend my cousin uh who's a great guy and has a lot of friends he was one of those weddings where like he has all these friends he's had since he was a child Aww. who got up and talked about what a great person he is and his wife it was the same way and i was like what what is wrong with me that I don't have these kind of friendships with people that I don't have an equal number of people who've known me like literally since I was 11 to like talk about me uh, and you who I'm still like very good friends with. Um, But it was great. It was a beautiful wedding. But uh, obviously the plane ride involved a lot of like, you know, killing time. Uh, I think the last movie I watched on the plane was a truly terrible movie called Overlord. Are you familiar with this movie? familiar with it uh kurt russell's kid wyatt russell yeah wyatt russell he is one of the stars my man dud yeah exactly um and it's weird because it's like produced by bad robot and it's released by paramount pictures so it seems like it's maybe going to be a good movie um but it is not at all it is the (laughs) it's like i heard it was original at least it's zombie nazis which is just that's like a mode on call of duty and has been for like (laughs) 11 years you know it's not super original but it's basically like uh U.S. troops get dropped behind enemy lines during World War II. It doesn't go as planned. Then they meet a French woman who's like first real tough and doesn't like them. But then she kind of comes to like them. And did I mention that she's super hot? And look, they're there to do... Well, it is a movie. They're there to do one thing, but you know, there's something else going on under the surface. And may I tell you, it's literally under the surface because it's an underground Nazi science installation. Wow. And there are they're not zombies exactly. They're like medical experiments and they have like super strength and uh yeah, I don't know. It's it's fine. It was really stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh that's weird. I like the vibe uh I've seen from Wyatt Russell. He doesn't star in this movie, it's more ensemble, right? Is well he's he what he plays is he's like the uh He's the troop who's been in battle before, who's like mm. jaded, and he's like, you're going to get yourself killed, kid. Does he still have long hair and a beard? He does, actually. Yes, he has long yeah. hair and a beard. Um, I guess because he's supposed to be kind of like haggard. But, okay. Yeah, and I like him and everybody I was wants. curious about that movie because uh, I like Lodge 49 a lot, and so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my man is acting out in the He is too. good. He is good in it. Uh, Wyatt Russell. Yeah. He um he's in Everybody Wants Some, which is like yeah, great. Movie, he's great yeah. in that. And I he's also from that time I saw him having lunch with his dad at South by Southwest oh, nice. a few years ago. Uh yeah, he's a former hockey player. Uh his mom is Goldie Hawn. Yeah. And, and they're still together. Yeah, right? Black yeah. Mirror episode under his belt that was really oh, good. Which Black Mirror episode? Uh, in uh, uh earlier one, I think second season, like the oh, really? uh before it was a Netflix show. Or but, no, that's not true. I think it was a Netflix one. It was know. a Netflix show. Like Let's go rewatch time, Black Mirror and start a podcast about <laughs> it. <laughs> Um, there's not enough episodes, but it, at least you have an endpoint in sight. Like if you start a show like that, it's not like doing a Star Trek show itself, yeah. when there's like 180 episodes that you have to get through, which is like a lot. We could do every scene. <laughs> It'll take us like a year to go through one episode. And we'll do like, yeah, like shot by shot. And drink shots by it. Oh my God. Shot by shot with Black Mirror. That's actually a pretty good concept. I like that. Yeah. Drinking to Netflix. That's what I do every night. 
That's very sad and uh, <laughs> extremely bleak. It's not true. I watch basketball. So speaking of Nazi medical experiments, uh, let's get to our first movie of the week. It's Never Look Away. Dein Schwiegervater? Das ist nicht die Erbmasse, die ich unseren Nachkommen wünsche. Kann er uns nicht einfach in Ruhe lassen? Boah. Okay, so this movie was directed by Florian Henkel von Donnersmark. His first movie came out in 2006. Uh, he was unknown at the time. He wrote and directed a movie called The Lives of Others. It's a very like restrained film about life in East Germany under the uh, you know communist government, and it's mostly about how everyone in the country was forced to spy on each other by the Secret Service, the Stasi. Um, it sparked an international conversation about government surveillance. This came out right at the height of the uh, war on terror when this was like a huge issue, obviously. Um, it was exactly the right film at the right time. It won Best Foreign Language Oscar, and it made Von Donnersmark a star. Um, what people forget, mostly, is that his next movie from like four years later was The Tourist, which was this like critically reviled movie starring Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp. It literally has like a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it was profitable, so he has been able to continue to make movies, but it was like a real stinker, very odd move for him. Uh, so now, like nine years after that, he's back with his next film. It's called Never Look Away. And to be frank, the tone and quality of the movie is somewhere in between those two movies. You know, it's not a complete stinker at all, I wouldn't say, but it, has, it can be very odd. Uh, it's a three-hour German melodrama about the artist Kurt Barnett, or Barnt, that traces his life from childhood in Nazi Germany through his life as an artist in East Germany. Then he escapes to the West and becomes kind of a popular artist. Um, the villain is his father-in-law, who's a Nazi obstetrician. Uh, depending on who you believe, all of these details, or like basically none of them, are pulled directly from the life of German artist Gerhard Richter. It's very complicated. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, but, you know, well, many of the things are from Richter's life, right down to the artwork. That's Richter's signature style that is revealed at the end of the film. And even some of the ex actual paintings are almost exact copies of Richter paintings. Um, but none of this tells you like how weird of a movie this is like how weird the tone is sometimes it looks like a high budget tv show sometimes it looks like like a commercial um and it starts off as making nazi germany look like a fantastic place to grow up like it's it's which is a very odd choice um you know it's like a coke commercial that has the firebombing of dresden in it it's like a hallmark movie that has a nazi abortionist it's like a romantic comedy where the couple gets together like 30 minutes into the movie and then never break up or even come close um it's deeply deeply confusing and weird uh caleb what did you think about this movie that was a very good intro yeah it is very confusing and then it takes about 40 30 40 minutes before you realize oh this is the actual protagonist of the film yeah, right uh it start like the first 20 minutes start off uh with uh i would say his aunt as right, the aunt, protagonist yeah. and there is maybe like one or two weird things that are like oh that's cool that i'm interested in this character and then like he does a pretty cool straight up like let's murder everyone scene to transition <laughs> yeah like everyone gets murdered in the firebombing of dresden everyone there's like a mother and child yeah there's a and they like a flaming log yeah they reference a, a girl that he might like and then they sh the only time they show her is when a piece of wood falls <laughs> on them uh but yeah overall i was and, and not expect i kept expecting the movie to end uh, <laughs> right <laughs> but it just takes so many like divergent paths to get to the point of being Art is personal. I think there's the overall message, which is not like it's not like a revolutionary, yeah, revolutionary message. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like right. a, like oh yeah, art should be personal. But I, mean, I get that's, that. So this kind of ties in a lot to the 
the true story, which is Gerhard Richter is sort of a very famous German painter, mostly famous from the 60s. Uh, and he's very private and he always, he refuses to say what his work is about. And the, so what happens at the end of the film is the Kurt, the main character comes on this style of painting where he's painting his own personal pictures. And because we've seen the movie, we know what all these people mean to him, right? Yeah. It's like his aunt that he cared a lot about. Mm -hmm. It's the, uh, father of his His wife who turns out to be the doctor who murdered his aunt. And he's kind of blurring them. Okay, so that's all real. Like, Richter did have an aunt who was murdered by the Nazis for being schizophrenic. He did marry a woman who had the same name as his murdered aunt. And his the father of that woman was indeed a Nazi SS officer, obstetrician, who worked at the same hospital where his aunt was killed. Whoa. So, like, all of the, all the craziest stuff in the movie is true. But, so, the deal is... um Richter for his whole career basically would would say that his paintings weren't about anything you know there's a scene at the very end of the movie where he the character Kurt has a press conference and everybody asks him what the paintings mean and he says like oh they don't they don't mean anything and that is what Richter did for 40 years he just said oh these paintings don't mean anything to me yeah uh which as a viewer of the audience you're just like oh wow that did not pay off at all (laughs) (laughs) and there's a lot of stuff in this movie that didn't pay off like the stuff with his father like when his father sorry excuse me father-in-law uh, figures out that like oh he's painting I know that girl in the painting he just leaves the room well, and then yeah. like it's no big deal and every <laughs> guy comes like oh okay it's so restrained and uh, European like you're waiting the whole movie for there to be a big confrontation between them because um, it's like the father-in-law is so domineering he forces Kurt's wife his daughter to get an abortion because he doesn't want Kurt's yeah. blood polluting his bloodline um, which is he's nuts. also trying to break them up, and that was like his long game. To he's kind of trying to break seed. them up the entire movie, and you're he's waiting. Like, oh wait, I'll get it. Give her an abortion. That'll help break them up. There's a oh my god, right? A scheming abortion in this movie, <laughs> and like you know the whole movie that, or at least from a certain point that they know he's a Nazi, and they could like get him in a lot of trouble. He spends a lot of the movie like on the run from yeah. you know the from the consequences of his life, but it never happens. I mean, it happens in that he sees a painting of himself. And is embarrassed, I guess, and then leaves the room. Yeah. And but the music is like it's like a huge moment has happened. But I didn't really feel that it had. <laughs> you know, it didn't seem they like really a big moment at all. Uh, they do a lot of work to just leave those feelings hanging. It was very weird. And also, can I say? I mean, so obviously we're talking about Killer Joe too because it was um, the same cinematographer, uh, Caleb Deschanel. I didn't think the cinematography in this movie mm-hmm. was particularly good. I, I didn't I think there was a lot of cinematography, and he had to like. Uh, well, met. it's it's a three-hour yeah. film. I mean, yes, there's a lot exactly. Of... Yeah, and there was just a. Uh, I think overall, Caleb Deschanel uh, was good at not getting in the way of the script, mm. uh, which maybe was a little bit detrimental in this case because <laughs> uh, he just had to like really underscore a lot of just moments. I think I thought the shot where they actually show his father killed. It was nice. Yeah, was, it was uh, nice. like looked peeking through all these things. Uh, there's a lot of good like open field shots and some trees that were cool. Way too much of this movie was in an art school. <laughs> like so much of the movie takes place in an art but school. But first right? introduced to it as like some really cool, just like setup of just like a thing that would never happen. He just goes to room to room, and there's like all these like crazy artists oh doing uh, like really experimental art in the '60s. Like and, one guy has like a potato on a string, yeah. and he's swinging it in a circle. There's like a lot of just ripping, and yeah, it's pretty wild of a scene. That was like a pretty cool, just like uh, 
from shot from shot to shot was like oh that's yeah i could see what it but also like there was like an extended like help riff where there was like a montage in the art school oh my god like why you know yeah just to show them all so being he had a buddies. lot to do and he yeah. had the, the, all the different uh tones to tackle and i think for the script that was there he like totally made that movie what it was as a cinematographer and maybe and he's uh he's been doing this since the like the 60s mm. so he knows how to like just have a good shot have a good little image and that'll help increase the movie. It was good, solid, workmanlike cinematography from a good, solid, workmanlike cinematographer. Did not probably deserve an Oscar nomination. <laughs> well, because what I was saying at the, the top when I was saying, sometimes it looked like a commercial. I mean, I spent a lot of the time thinking it looked like a nice uh, perfume commercial or it looked oh, yeah. like a, like one of those really fancy Coke commercials mm-hmm. that you see you know, before a movie or something. But it didn't... It, you know, those things have this sort of weird, like, unreality to them. But I don't think that's particularly good or skillful. I just think that that is this kind of weird... It's like a mass a market way to, entertainment Yeah, look, it's a way of. to uh, make it look nice and expensive, which is probably how he got involved with this film. It's a German film. Yeah. from an, uh, He's an American cinematographer. He does not speak German. I read an interview with him. <laughs> oh, is that true? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, he was just doing this to, I don't know, for an experiment for fun. It, he... He said, like, oh, yeah, uh, I didn't really need to talk to the actors. I just needed to, uh, like, talk with the editor and the director, really. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) One thing that's weird about this is the extent to which it's a true story or not. And now, of course, this is not really all that important. Uh, It's a film, and we can enjoy it on the level of being a film. But it has become sort of the lore of this movie is that there was this years-long correspondence between Richter and between uh, Von Donnersmark who basically became friends, and they spent a lot, a lot of time together. The artist is famous for kind of doing this, like letting people into his world, the biographers, and he also did this too, giving a huge amount of access to them and working together on a project. And then when the project like comes out, he'll say, oh, this is terrible. None of this is true. This person has done a terrible job. And the artist, you know, the the filmmaker, the biographer is, you know, really hurt and doesn't like know why it has happened and is especially hurt to have them deny that any of it was true. And so that's kind of what's happened with this is that, you know, Von Donnersmark made some promises that he wasn't really going to say it was a true story. Mm. And then he has been out in the press saying it was like mostly true. And uh, Richter has basically completely disavowed the movie and says he hates it and that none of it is accurate. I wonder if some of that is because like, it's not like a great movie. No, <laughs> like, he probably wanted something more uh, raw and endearing other than just a uh, part of the phrase paint by the numbers <laughs> exactly as this right. movie was like he's looking for it to be like citizen kane or something like a massive piece of at ex- least art, an original you know? take on it this is just like, uh, just like station very... to station just like okay cool we're uh this point is life we're at this point of his life and, and it's completely told linearly to mm-hmm. it there's no yeah, they just there hired... aren't even any flashbacks really yeah. it just starts at the beginning and goes to the end and it lasts like three hours and it's basically divided up into three different sections there are hints of like a good movie in there too like every once in a while, like I would get like, okay, cool, something cool might happen. Yeah. Uh, the like, very first like one what? when yeah. uh, the very first one when uh, they he walks on he's a little boy and he walks on his aunt naked playing the piano and she just turns to him and starts hitting herself in the head with like, this really solid glass yeah. ashtray and, they, she and she's bleeding thump, down yeah. her head and then she starts smashing the glass in the room like yeah that was really cool and interesting yeah, mm-hmm. I the, like, like the, the first it was part. so alarming it was so alarming yeah. because the movie has up until that point you know it's Nazi Germany like there are Nazis everywhere but they do make it look like the safest happiest place in the world right like, they do and, there's a parade at the beginning where uh, she like 
runs to Hitler. <laughs> and everyone's so excited. You talk to Hitler. You and talk to Hitler. it's genuinely supposed to be played for like, wow, isn't that cool? Yeah, <laughs> I was kind of laughing, but no one else was. <laughs> and then there's like a bunch, a couple of cute brothers who are Nazi soldiers who are like joking around with each other. And, you know, yeah. um, we're supposed to find them like endearing and cute. And then all those people are like die horribly, basically yeah. about 30 or 40 minutes Yeah, that gas chamber scene was pretty... Pretty gnarly. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's like a Coke commercial where someone dies in a Nazi gas chamber. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on with this uh, movie? They paid a five-time Oscar nominee cinematographer to come in and make their palpable movie seem important. Yeah, and if anything, he did a okay job at that. And I mean, right? It's been thirteen years since the Lives of Others came out, and obviously, Von Donnersmark is fine. He's done other kinds of projects. Mm-hmm. But, like, he hasn't made a good movie since then. So it was obviously very important to him to, like, make a good movie and a successful movie. So uh, It really was an out-of-nowhere Oscar. Like, yeah. Oh, cinematography yeah. is an important category. Uh, they gave it to, well, Caleb DeChanel is a name, who five nominations. Uh, that's kind of weird they gave it to him for this. For this movie, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I will say when we first started talking about this, I had no idea it was a three-hour long yeah. movie. I just because I had there's a very long and interesting New Yorker article about the the making of this movie, um, and it sounded kind of interesting. And then I had seen some good reviews, and I was like, oh, maybe we could talk about this movie. And then you like went and saw it the next day, and you were like, yeah, it's three hours. And I was <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I really had no idea. I thought it was, uh, I saw like a seven thirty showing. I was like, okay, I'll get home. At a reasonable time. And I was like, nope. <laughs> yeah. I'm still here. It was, it helped me knowing it was three hours going in. Like I was like, steeled myself for it. Yeah. I wish I knew just because I kept waiting for it to end. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> no, like, then he went to, this is like before he even went to the art school. Oh my God. I was like, okay, this, this movie's going to end. Like, well, nope, because he's a whole other movie. Now. By the time they escaped to the West, it's been like two full hours yeah. and you're like, oh, and they've gotten away from all these people and they are together now where, you know, and you're like, okay, this is the end of the film. No, that was, it's still like got a whole huge chapter to go. Yeah. Um, which isn't to say I can't sit through a three hour movie. I, I, I actually thought like knowing it was three hours going in and like trying to ration my popcorn and stuff, like <laughs> it wasn't that bad. I've definitely sat through shorter movies, sure. which felt longer, like Overlord felt like it was about 10 times longer because <laughs> it was so boring and repetitive. Whereas this, at least it was like, it was like watching three episodes mm-hmm. of a fine TV it show. It was a mini series of a movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, do you know what Caleb Deschanel's next movie is? I do not. The transition. No. Uh, he is doing the live action Lion King remake. <laughs> well, that's like done, I guess, right? Oh yeah, he uh, he's yeah finishing up. I guess he fin- might be finishing that's it. So weird. It's so weird that they call that a live action movie because there is no live action in it. Isn't it all CGI? All, uh, maybe a uh, the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if the floor would be because it's going to be like yeah, the jungle. Put CGI right? on the floor. Like what the? F- it's just like very good computer animation. It's yeah. not. He like, did um. Lost Jungle Book, which oh, was Oh, he did fine. that also? Yeah, John Favreau. Favre. with the College John Favre was one did. of the uh, animators on that. Oh, Carrie Shandling's in that. There's like 200 animators on it, you know. Sure. Which isn't to diminish her accomplishment, Shelly, if you're listening. Um, we haven't talked since 2004, <laughs> but she's great. She's very successful. She's a digital animator, which is this like is amazing. the second time Chris brought up friends not keeping in touch with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like a real thing for me. But yeah, just to talk about Caleb DeChannel for a sec. Uh, as he's a, a very talented director, he did uh, well. Not on his credits, he has some really great uncredited stuff. Like he worked in certain scenes on The Godfather and, oh, really? and Apocalypse Now. Uh, but then his like one of his first movies was uh, Being There. Uh, oh yeah, sure. Which is one of my favorite movies. It's so good. May I ask your name? Gardner. Mr. Chansey Gardner, are you related to Basil and Perdita Gardner? 
No, I'm not related to Basil and Pedita. Five Oscar nominations, I think. Uh, the Natural and The Right Stuff, two beautifully mo- beautifully oh, wow. shot movies. Uh, the Right Stuff is a great mm-hmm. movie, yeah. But then as other Oscar nominations are uh, Never Look Away, we've just talked about. Uh, the Patriot with Mel Gibson. <laughs> And Heath Ledger, but but see the Patriot, I could I could did, definitely did, uh, see that it almost looks like yeah. the Patriot because it's got that kind of yeah. like There's big budget stuff, yeah. early '90s like kind of very flat look to it. And our rights are being threatened by a tyrant three thousand miles away. Would you tell me, please, Mister Howard, why should I trade one tyrant three thousand miles away for three thousand tyrants one mile away? <laughs> yeah, right. uh, he also worked got a uh, crazy. No, this is nominated for cinematography. Uh, the Passion of the Christ. Oh, he did The Passion of the Christ yeah. too. Wow, wow. <laughs> um, you know, can I tell you, I never saw that. Good for you. Did you go to see it like with your parents? Oh yeah, my dad is a minister. Uh, we saw it with a church group, so there were uh, like seven-year-old kids in the audience <laughs> oh, for an God. R-rated film. It was fun. Isn't it like extremely violent and disturbing? It is, and as a film, there's. Uh, I mean, it's a passion mm-hmm. play. It's a story of mm-hmm. Jesus getting murdered, right? Like uh, my favorite weird Oscar nomination of his is though is uh, Fly Away Home <laughs> which wait, I had wait, no wait, idea wait. was let me, even let me on the try Oscar radar let me try to remember what, the Fly Away Home is the movie where a little girl and her father teach a goose how to fly yeah is, is in, that... a, in a plane they make that looks like a, a, a goose from the director of the Black Stallion come in Mama Goose hello Papa Goose comes an incredible journey Woo! for anyone who's ever had a dream dad they're really flying with me I think, believe it's yes. Jeff Daniels. I believe it's Jeff Daniels, and the girl is like maybe Anna Chomsky. I was gonna assume it was, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. I, I saw it when I was movie. like, yeah. yeah, I saw it when I was like seven years it's old. It's good. It's one of those early '90s movies. It's like a kids' movie that's very sad yeah. and weird. As a kid, you're like, oh wait, I could understand feelings now. It's like they wanted all kids from the '90s to be kind of fucked up and sad because that's every children's film was like that. <laughs> like my girl is like oh, a massively sure. popular kids' movie where one of the main characters dies. Right? Yeah. Like spoiler alert for my girl which i actually have not seen i just know that from people talking about it yeah uh, <laughs> we're gonna do a whole macaulay culkin episode i would definitely do that i would definitely do that. can we just play um the pizza underground songs the whole time oh sure i forgot that existed <laughs> oh i would do all culkins yeah well we talked about rory last <laughs> yeah, time right uh, yeah yeah i like the movie uh gabriel uh yeah. which i think is what, what movie is that i don't know that uh what's the other culkin not rory not macaulay oh the one that's in uh succession right I think it's him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Kieran? Kieran. Kieran. Yeah. That's a pretty good name. Kieran Culkin is like yeah. a pretty good name. Yeah. Speaking as Chris Chafin, like, it's a good one. <laughs> we got that CHCH going. Anyway. And continuing on about Caleb Deschanel, my favorite movie of his is I one thought of we were own. done with the Caleb Deschanel discussion. No, Ta- no, no. We're going to talk about my favorite movie of his, Killer Joe, which came out 2011. Oh, yes. Tuna casserole. May I serve? How are you going to kill my mama? That's not appropriate dinner conversation, Donnie. Uh, in the same year that Baguette, his supporting turns in Soderbergh's Magic Mike and Linkletter's Bernie, Matthew McConaughey stars in a dual art house, grindhouse, darkest of dark comedies, Killer Joe. From the team of two legends, writer, playwright Tracy Letts and director William Friedkin, Killer Joe is the pulpiest, goriest, and perhaps the most fun movie of what we call the McConaissance. McConaughey stars as the titular character amidst an ensemble featuring the always reliable Gina Gershon and Thomas Hayden Church, as well as prime Emile Hirsch. This was right after Into the Wild, Speed Racer, Milk, 
that role he was on, and arguably one of the best Juno Temple performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot is pretty boilerplate. It's double indemnity. Uh, Chris Emil Hirsch hires the cop part-time hitman to kill his mother to collect insurance. Uh, he can't pay the advance for the hit, and therefore McConaughey's Joe requests using a retainer, which turns to be Chris's little sister Dottie, played by Juno Temple. It's as creepy as you can imagine from there, with Let's Script and Friedkin's direction going full bore and leaning hard into its deep Texas setting, as much so as it as to earn an NC-17 rating and an infamous chicken leg sequence <laughs> that for me personally ranks high among all-time bonkers movie scenes. Wild-ass movie. Yeah, so the, I will say when I saw it the first time on Netflix, they had, I think they had they edited, edited it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. edited out the chicken. So I had to look it up online. <laughs> and I spent a long time trying to find it. And then I finally watched it. And it, it is bonkers, but it's not like quite as bonkers as I was expecting. No, they also edit out a little bit of when he punches him in the face that when Emil Hirsch comes in at the end and oh, yeah. beats him to a gory pulp there. I mean, it's a fantastic movie. Like you said, it's like perhaps one of the high points of the reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. And it was like very early on in, in all of that. So it was like, it, you know, it's hard to recapture at this point, but seeing an actor like him yeah. like, show a completely different side of themselves, which is now we're all very familiar with after seeing like True Detective and yeah. stuff. But it's kind of a very similar character to that True Detective, a kind of nihilistic, um, brutal Matthew McConaughey, which a up guy, to that point you had never, ever seen. Uh, relying on the charm uh like a surface level charm to like get by. Uh, and they're in this, in this killer Joe, there's a lot of lines like your eyes hurt. Like there's a lot of that in this movie, just like so much behind. And then like, he just brings this intensity to it, uh, that when it finally comes, it comes full on hard. That's like me. <laughs> I've seen it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I was saying, uh, he was doing like little supporting stuff, Magic Mike, which I think yeah. we officially kicked off the reconnaissance. Uh, he was supporting in that, and then in Bernie, which I like a lot with Jack Black. Uh, he was hardly in it. There was also a very tiny bit he did in uh, Eastbound and Down, which I love. Oh yeah, well he's fantastic in Eastbound and yeah. Down. Yeah. Uh, so he was like only like doing like tiny characters. So, like oh dude, he's building up. Uh, he's burning down his old resume a little bit, right. building it up, and then this comes out. Full on uh, leading starring performance on here. Uh, the whole cast is great, but it is all McConaughey. It's all movie. McConaughey. Yeah. I mean, it's all McConaughey. I mean, you called Thomas Hayden Church always reliable, which I would not say. Ooh, I don't I think he's T. always reliable. I think he can turn in like a really bad. I mean, as long as he has sometimes. that, he has the best voice. Like he, he does. does a lot he of does have fun. the best voice. That's true. That's yeah. why it's reliable. Yeah, <laughs> it's always reliable that he has a voice. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> But like he That's can definitely do him. some stinkering. Like he can turn yeah, out a Don stinker. Yeah, Don McKay, I think it was really sucked. Oh, I'm sorry, Don McKay. Was this like the last good movie that he did? Has he done a good movie since? I'm this? sure he's done. I mean, he was in Spider Man Three. I like Divorce. Oh yeah, that's true. I've only watched. He's very he's very funny in Divorce. He plays deadpan and dumb, like simultaneously so well. Like I think, like he's like a a, a slow yokel and uh, he's like Cletus the slackjawed yokel in this movie, but a little bit slower. Hey. Hey, look at you. Hey, you look like a goddamn movie star. But this is like as a violent movie. So imagine Cletus Slacked on Yoko in a violent movie. So speaking of this, like I have a real problem, which maybe I've mentioned before, where I over-identify with characters in movies. Ooh, and when, you get here? When bad things happen to mm-hmm. them, it makes, affects me a lot. So this movie is very difficult for me to watch. It's one of those movies where there's so many opportunities for the characters to stop, to like stop <laughs> making mistakes. Like it, it, there's so many times where you're just like, quit. Like, like, like in the very first scene where they try to hire McConaughey, he's like, 
no, like you can't afford me, let it go, just leave. And you're like, yes, please do, end of movie. I don't want all these people to get murdered, which is like, I know what's going to happen if they keep this going. You're um, talking about Emil Hirsch's character? Well, just generally. I mean, oh, generally? yeah, Emil Hirsch. Because he just fucks up the whole time. It's kind of funny. Like, it's to the so point where just like, oh, Lord, this dumbass. Well, it's kind of like the um, the world is yours that we talked about uh, recently. Like, that dude fucks up so many times yeah. in that movie. And. Uh, that movie, it's more like the person is pathetic, whereas this movie, it's more like they're so stupid. Yeah. Like, he's so fucking he also stupid. He p- pays for it a lot, too. Oh my Not God, even yeah. from, like, the, bi- the big ending where he pays for it, but, like, there's a part where uh, mobsters beat him up after, like, a, a very fun and odd chase scene where he's chased by motorcycles on foot. <laughs> and he gets just, like, the shit kicked out of him. And then he has huge bruises for, like, the rest of the movie, yes. <laughs> which is, like, a great choice. I love that a lot. Uh, yeah, it's a very difficult movie to watch, the aforementioned chicken scene, uh, which yeah, so is the probably chicken the worst. Yeah. Is it Juno Temple or Gina Gershon? It's Gina Gershon. It's yeah. Gina Gershon has to give a blowjob mm-hmm. to a chicken leg. He uh, goes like, "Show me how you do that." He suddenly something like uh, that. Right? They, they first introduced that they have KFC. He's like, "What do you want? A leg?" And then places down the counter, and then they have a little bit more scene, and then like it comes on later on that like, "Oh wait, that's why he put that chicken leg down." Like, <laughs> so it's such well done scene of gross and inappropriate thing. Um, I read today in researching the movie, it's adapted from a play, I guess. Yeah, Tracy Letts. A Tracy Letts play, right? And you can sort of see that it's got that claustrophobic feel. A lot of the movie takes place in the like dilapidated, it's supposed to be a trailer, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's a movie trailer. So it's actually like really huge on the inside that, um, Emile Hirsch and his family live in. And then there's also sort of a bar they go to with, to meet Matthew McConaughey. Mm -hmm. But it definitely has the feeling of like, these people are trapped in this space, making terrible decisions and something terrible Mm -hmm. is going to happen because of it. And, and the whole movie is about trying to plan a murder so that's not even the bad thing like you know the murder is going to happen <laughs> you know and like you're ready for it from a certain point of view uh and for e- even it you know that murder is going to happen they do keep you guessing about it and like how they yeah, show definitely. you and what they don't show you like i said there's a bunch of uncomfortable scenes besides the chicken leg scene uh she, juno temple's character is supposed to be like maybe 16 17 yeah, and everybody calls her like mentally challenged yeah. or something it's not like she's exactly disabled or something it's just that she seems completely she's, untethered from reality yeah. there's like a part where she like uh predicts the future and then <laughs> yeah but she's very virginal she always talks about her love being a fat kid in third grade <laughs> Uh, which he uses to have one a very uncomfortable sex scene and again oh she's supposed to be underage and yeah it's very uncomfortable, it's very uncomfortable. a movie which uh, I like being uncomfortable. I like being like, you ooh, that like shocked that me. Yeah. Like, it just uh, makes my mind in a place that I wouldn't bring it myself, and I really enjoy myself there. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, Juno Temple's great. This was part of an interesting run of uh, projects for her. Yeah, I re- realized how big of a fan I am of Juno Temple. Like, no, I I thoroughly enjoy many of her acting. Yeah, she she was in that that Greg Araki movie, Kaboom, which yeah, Kaboom. I kind of like. Mm-hmm. I like um, that movie. And she was, you know, had a bit part in Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. I guess. And then she was in Loveless, or Lovelace, yeah. the movie, right, where she plays like the first porn star. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that like... was all kind of within the couple of years around this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she was great in Vinyl. Yeah, she was in Vinyl, which I didn't watch. But yeah, she's very good in that. I'm a big fan of the movie uh, Catherine Hahn starred in uh, Afternoon Delight. Oh, yeah, where she yeah. plays like a stripper slash yes, nanny. she's very good in that movie. She's also in Atonement, very fun in Atonement. She's just very good at being completely mm-hmm. uh, without inhibitions yeah. in a movie. Like, you just, you never know what she's going to do because she just is this kind of, like, electric force that could do anything at any time. Mm-hmm. And she kind of subdues that into, like, a dark character. Like, like she says, he's, like, kind of airy and untethered. 
but that untethered is like like oh there's something there that's really crazy which uh the ending kind of like yeah. builds up to that and it almost always has to do mm-hmm. with sex like also, Juno Temple has sex in all of her yeah, movies and she true. just has this very this like <laughs> sexual energy all the time and I don't know if that's just like gross directors think she's hot and they make her do that stuff or if that is some part of her personality but that is like a big part of mm-hmm. who she is in a lot of her movies yeah she she goes for it too uh her drunk history she was Marilyn Monroe yeah 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 one thing I think is interesting too about the movie talking about Caleb Deschanel is um so some parts of the movie the parts where they're outside I think do a great job you know I grew up in South Florida I've been you know around the south a lot to Georgia and stuff I feel like it does a great job of capturing the way the light can be so harsh uh in places like that and the way that it's kind of like a you know, I mean, it sounds stupid to say the sun is a force of nature, like obviously, but the way that you're just kind of like oppressed by the light all the time. I felt like some of the scenes in the movie do a great job oh, of yeah. that. And then the interiors, I think, do a great job of like, it's almost like, like, can light be a dirt bag? Because this movie has dirt bag light. Like so many of the scenes that take place in the trailer, I feel like have this kind of weird, like yellowy light to them. Yeah, people that, are like cast in half shadow and coming out. Yeah. And um, it was gross. I mean, it definitely has a good, it definitely has a very <laughs> oh, strong look to it. It's I definitely like. a gross vibe overall too, uh, oh God, which yeah. adds to like how fun and funny it is. Like mm-hmm. there's some really good lines that uh, I'm going to try to recall right now. <laughs> was he all right? No, he, no, no, he was not all right. His genitals were on fire. <laughs> uh, at the beginning, uh, they go, uh, put some pants on. I need to talk to you about something. I need pants for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, all she did was suck his cock and try to steal your money. It could have been worse. How? Well, no. I suppose that's as bad as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I saw this movie for the first time, like on your recommendation. Maybe. Oh, really? That's fun. Um, yeah, I love this movie. You were really into all yeah, these movies. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. This and what's the other one? It's got like mud in the title or something. Oh, there's one that's called Mud. Oh, yeah, it's Mud. In, mud, yeah, exactly. Which is a Jeff Nichols movie. Yeah. I, you were into big into both of these movies, as I remember. Yeah. Um, and I watched it like I think one night after Catherine had, had gone to bed, and I was glad that I was by myself. <laughs> sure, yeah, this it. is a yeah, there's much violence toward women, which is very always hard to watch. This movie is like ooh, always gut wrenching for me. I, I read some review on a blog. Uh, I think it was called alternateending.com. Shout out if you're listening. Um, it was a review like from the time when the movie came out, and he was saying. The director of the movie, whose name I William don't know. Friedkin. William Friedkin. The great William Friedkin. He's saying William Friedkin is a director who loves looking at naked women but hates yeah. sex. So they were like, yeah. there's very lots of very erotic scenes of women being you know naked or semi naked, but then as soon as the sex starts to happen, it becomes disgusting and disturbing immediately. I would say that's all of Jade. Yeah. Dave, yeah, David yeah, Caruso, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which he directed. Um, yeah, he's also just all about pumping in as much uh, over-the-top pedal of metal as he can. Uh, to Live and Die in L.A. has some amazing action sequences. Uh, of course, his uh, Friedkin's biggest movies, uh, The Exorcist and French mm, Connection. Yeah, French sure. Connection, oh my God, what he was doing in that movie. Yeah. Insane. Uh, the great basketball movie, uh, Blue Chips, which oh, is, sure, 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 I yeah. love. Uh, but yeah, um, Friedkin, amazing director. Uh, I would say one of my... Do you think Top that five, um, five. the French Connection holds up? Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, and in all honesty, I don't know that it does. Oh my gosh, just for that uh, the uh, subway I mean, the chase, chase alone, sequence, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a great sequence. But it's one of those seventies crime movies that is great and certainly was great at the time, but also has this kind of like so much of it is boring and nothing is happening. Like it's just like people smoking cigarettes and think, looking upset. Yeah. You know, like yeah. It, his and not d- nothing happening in the way that like like a French New Wave movie or like an Italian neorealist no. movie has nothing happening. It's just like 
a door opening. Someone walking yeah, into I would the room say it's and always, they like open a newspaper and eat a sandwich. Uh, Friedkin is like dynamite. Lighting dynamite is kind of exciting, but then he has long fuses. But then that long fuse goes off. You're like, oh, cool. It's a very impressive yeah. uh, sorcerer, which uh, was a flop at its time. I think is an amazing movie that. Uh, should be rediscovered. That's a movie where he, I don't know anything about that movie. He is. actually when, when is that from? Uh, the seventies. It was right after uh, th- those two movies. Mm. It's like he was like, oh wait, he did French Connection. He did uh, Exorcist, and he did this movie Sorcerer, where he literally moved uh, a car across, like a car full of uh, I, I think it's an ex- I forget what the explosive is, uh, but moves it through a jungle. That's the plot of the movie. Like they have to transport this car, and there it literally is a scene where That's they're the plot on a, of the movie? a rope bridge, uh, and he literally had to like put this giant ass jeep on a rope bridge. It's insane. Uh, he has to actually blow. There's blowing up trees. Roy Schneider's in it. Great movie. It's like Herzog or something, right? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean that actually reminds me of something I wanted to say about Never Look Away, which is like. It's just hearing about it on paper, you were tempted to say like, oh, it's like in the tradition of Douglas Sirk because it's a German language melodrama. But I think what's different between Sirk and this, uh, that movie, Never Look Away, is that Sirk is very self-conscious that he's working in the realm of melodrama. You know, he's very famously influenced by American movies from the 1950s. Particularly, he's a fan of 1950s American melodramas, you know, which were very, very popular at the time. And whereas this movie, like, Never Look Away basically is a melodrama, and it's a three hours long, but I don't think it, I don't think it thinks that it's a melodrama. It lacks awareness, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, most movie, like, this movie is, uh, Killer Joe is very much aware that it's uh, kind of cheesy oh, yeah. and a B-movie. And it's having a lot of fun because Leans of that. into it hard and yeah. has a ton of fun. But Never Look Away is like, I don't know what it thinks it is. You know, it's a biopic, yeah. I guess, you know? Yeah, and I would say that's the strength of Killer Joe, too, is that it leans into it, and it gives you those expectations, and then it kind of, like, fucks with you with those expectations and show you something that you really weren't prepared to see. Oh, my God, right? And it does it over and over again. <laughs> yeah. All you know all you know is that something terrible is going to happen, but you never know exactly what and exactly to whom. I mean, normally it's to Emil Hirsch, but, like, not every <laughs> single time, you know? There is a very good Juno Temple line where... uh he just comes in and she just pops up and goes, babies. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much weird stuff it's in this so movie. so fucking weird. Uh, I don't think it's streaming, but it's available to purchase on Amazon, both unrated and rated versions, mm, uh, which is how I watched it. <laughs> you fucking freak, you dirty, dirty bird. <laughs> okay, so this is something we forgot to do recently, but let's say, again, you have to pick between these two. Oh, Absolutely. Yes your best choice, your actually best choice uh, between Never Look Away and Killer Joe. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. Yeah, Killer Joe. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think Killer Joe is a much better film and it's it's better like as a film because it's it's using the language of film and it's, uh, you know, it addresses you. It it's, does a great job of taking the viewer on a, on a journey. Whereas I don't know that Never Look Away does that mm-hmm. at all. I mean, you literally are like watching someone's life and in that sense it does, but it doesn't necessarily never, take you on an emotional never journey. Never Look Away is the kind of the definition of a, oh it's a fine movie it's fine it was it's just fine. fine like i didn't like totally hate it that i watched it no and some parts of it are, are good, like the worst you know? part about it for me was that i i, I didn't know it was three hours long but <laughs> killer joe is like one of my all-time favorite movies but as a caleb de channel mm. uh person who's reading about him and not knowing that like oh he did the cinematography for that i would say his best work is probably the natural mm. That's the one with, it's a baseball movie, yes, right? Yeah, with Kevin Costner? No, no, no uh, uh, Red Bird. 
Robert Robbie Reds. Oh, Robert Redford has yeah. that iconic scene where he hits the uh, oh, lights the out. lights out, yeah. yeah, and then all just the sparks the, fall down. As, as, yeah, right. as a, a scene, that's his best as, scene. As seen on <laughs> The Simpsons and uh, many many other things that parodied it yeah. like over and over again for several decades. But so, shout out Caleb DeChannel. Great, yeah, thanks, for thanks a lot, this Caleb. episode. Um, so anyway, that's it for this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. Uh, tune in again next week where we'll be talking about film in some way. Uh, exactly what? Who knows? Who's to say? Movies, though. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, goodbye. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>